Hello and welcome to Leaving Egypt. I'm Jenny Sinclair. And I'm Al Roxburgh. This podcast is for you if you want to explore the unfolding vocation of the church in these times of unraveling. We'll be doing two things, reading the signs of the times and sharing grassroots stories. We'll be having some brilliant conversations with fascinating people and we'll discover how local expressions of God's people are contributing to the reweaving of hope in our common life. We do hope you enjoy listening to this episode of Leaving Egypt. Hi, friends. Welcome to a special edition of of Leaving Egypt. Uh, We began Leaving Egypt back in August, and now here we are in December, coming to the end of the year. And Jenny and I want to spend a little bit of time reflecting upon the journey that we've taken, the experiences that we've had, what we're learning and we're discovering through Leaving Egypt. So welcome. And Jenny, I want to just turn it over to you for a moment and um, share with us the originating idea. What was it that brought us to Leaving Egypt and shaping these podcasts? Yeah, we were thinking about the... um the current unraveling that we're seeing in the West. And we've been very concerned, obviously, about all the kinds of things that we're seeing in our society, in our communities, in our politics, and in the church. And we wanted to try and help people make sense of this very very strange time. And one of the things that occurred to us was this idea of thinking about what's happening to us as a kind of modern Egypt you know, there's kind of slavery that people have fallen into, um, a kind of tyranny under the idea of individualism, that we have to be a certain way and, you know, governments are becoming more centralised, more authoritarian, uh, big business, big corporations are becoming more and more powerful. And we've seen uh, an atrophy of uh, what we might call relational power at the ground level. And... Uh, People have, you know, a lot of symptoms of distress, rising levels of uh, depression, loneliness, um, self-harm, falling levels of trust, breakdown in relationship. A lot of these things we're seeing across the West, not just in our own countries. And um, I think we've traced it to a particular philosophy and operating system that is underlying all of our culture, well, all of our, all the countries that have adopted this particular philosophy, which you, for a shorthand we might call individualism, but actually it's a false form of freedom. And I think that's what made us think about Egypt, wasn't it, as a motif? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and our, what, what we were seeking to do in the context of these larger questions was ask, where is the church in the midst of all of this? And leaving Egypt carries with it two sides. One, as Jenny's pointed out, the the captivities, which um, we, we, we experience in the modern West, uh, the captivities of, of a hyper-individualism, the captivities of, of a, a bureaucratic state and a, and a certain form of capitalism. But at the same time, um, we were also asking the question, where are we seeing stories on the ground amongst people who, perhaps not in using this language, are leaving Egypt. And so what we, what you saw us do was, first of all, have guests who could 
describe that big picture, describe the dynamics of what was what's going on. Give us a, an overarching sense of what's causing this unraveling. And then after that, we had guests who were not asking primarily the big picture, but were on the ground in their local places. Yeah, I mean, I think if if we're identifying that um, that what's happening is in a, in a sense an assault on relationship, you know, if, if this philosophy of individualism is it seems to be permeating everything, you know, through the economy, through the arrangements we have with with people we work with, where we where we live, and so on, it's it's having great impact, um, devastating impact on some communities, perhaps more than others, but. Um, well, I think what we're interested in the stories from the ground is how people are rebuilding relationship or reweaving relationship and recognizing that there's something very special and of God when human beings come together in relationship. And so that that's a lot of what our grassroots stories are reporting and they're really beautiful, moving stories. Um, something as well about how the church is uh, adapting, well, in many cases, not adapting to this new scenario, but how how some people are sensing the Holy Spirit calling them into new forms of ministry, um, whether they're grafted onto an existing institutional form of church or whether people are being feeling a sense of calling as a neighbour. I mean, there are different ways that this is being approached, but I think that um, what we're looking for is, you know, what does it mean to be God's people? in this context, because we don't want to turn in on ourselves. We don't want to say, well, we're going to become a sort of isolated community living in a cave. You know, we've got to carry on living in relationship with our society, with our neighbours. But how can we do that with integrity, with Christian integrity? And I was really struck by that um, story of the the great uh, Jewish scholar Rashi, who said four out of five of the Israelites chose to stay behind when Moses wanted them to leave. And why was that? Well, that was because they were they got too comfortable. And Rashi was warning his own people of that risk of assimilation into the culture. And so I think what we're looking for and what we're finding among these beautiful uh, grassroots stories is that there's a kind of quiet form of resistance beginning. Would you say that's fair? I mean, it may be very small, but maybe we're just hearing some of it, you know, among people on the ground. So we listened to Morris Glassman, we listened to Mark Labranson and Edward Haddis, who were helping us think about a bigger picture. You get this bigger picture and it can it can feel overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It can feel like, what then can you do? But as we began to listen to people who, on the ground, I think, for example, of Graham and Mary McBain uh, in, in, the, in, in, the, in the north of England who have become, instead of pastors to a congregation, they've, they've become pastors or ministers to a, the community, the neighborhood, and the stories there are just absolutely beautiful. To imagine that someone gets ordained and becomes a barber to cut hair in order to actually engage in conversations. There you're starting to see the small, simple ways in, you know, to, to, to use Leonard Cohen's language, this is where the light gets in through the crack. Um, and, and that is so encouraging. Uh, but uh, other stories of that ilk, uh, 
shaped much of what we were doing uh, over the last numbers of months. Yeah, just to be clear, what we're not we're not saying that you know people in the church shouldn't also be calling for system reform. You know, we are, we recognise that there is a major problem with the system, but we we are sort of realising though that we are entering a new era, and we really don't know where that's going. So we're not saying we know how to fix this. You know, we're very much saying we have to rely on God. We really have to properly surrender at this kind of time because what's happening is so different from before. How could we possibly know? But what we what we do know is that we need to listen more closely to God. I mean, you you use that language a lot, Al. You talk about listening in the neighborhood and finding God in the neighborhood. And that's and that's a really big part of it. And I think even if you know, even for people who um well, for you know, people who want to uh, shore up and strengthen church institutions and, and those that don't, we're all Christians, we're all approaching this perhaps in different ways. And there is a great range of gifts, I think, across the Christian traditions. There will be different ways of doing this. But I think fundamentally, we have to embrace this relational church, as I would call it. You know, we have to become more um, focused on relationship with other human beings and Sadly, you know, over the last, certainly over the last 20, 30, 40 years, when this culture of individualism has been so intense, intensified, um, we've been affected by these sort of practices, I would say, of the modern Egypt, you know, the managerialism, the marketing practices, you know, all kinds of things that have changed the church and actually infected it with that, that culture. I think you've talked a lot about that and how the culture of the state has impacted the um, mindset in the church and leadership in the church, haven't you? Well, it's a huge one. Um, and it's the, the, um, what, what the state does in its work is, is essentially disconnect us from the local and the ground and the ordinary, and we become more and more connected to bureaucracy, bureaucracies that have little human life behind them. But in the midst of that, uh, to your point, I, I, I was struck by um, uh, Hannah von Spruce, who, um, whose work in Catholic parishes, uh, so Catholic congregations and areas around divine renovation, are really about how people in local Catholic parishes are learning and discovering how to listen to people in their neighbors and communities and ask the question of where the spirit is present. But I was also struck the same thing, really, with uh, Avril Bajant, as she was describing this this word that makes no sense to Protestants, but synodality, uh, Mm -hmm. but which is, again, a, a process of listening. And so, to your point, what... What you have going on in this, what to many Protestants seems like this behemoth thing called the Catholic Church, is on the ground movements of renewal in life that are very much like what we're talking about. They're they're not programmatic engagements. They're ways of people learning to listen to their neighbors and their community. And I was, uh, just for a moment, I was... uh, was, (laughs) struck with the humor uh, as one one uh, Protestant um, part of 
the, the leaving Egypt community said, I'm listening to these Catholics. And you know what? They don't sound like anything I've ever known before in Catholics. And so you're getting this crossover and co-learning going on simply through the podcast. Yeah, it's fascinating. I I think one of the brilliant things about this space that that is emerging is that we're bringing in people of different traditions and throughout we're hearing stories of listening to the Holy Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit is breaking through and it's trying to be heard. And as you said, even a very hierarchical and clerical structure like, you know, the global Catholic Church, even an organization like that is now um, subject to the Holy Spirit's work. And somehow you know, it's not a majority within within the whole global church, but there's a very significant minority now who are, really turning them turning towards the holy spirit and listening practices so that because they recognize that the church has become ossified through through these structures and through managerial uh, practices this is not to say that that the church itself um will collapse it, i i somehow very much doubt that it will but it may change uh in in the sense that it may become more responsive and more attentive through people trusting and listening to their neighbors and listening to god so, and then we're hearing very similar uh, instincts from from other denominations and from people, Christians on the ground on their own who are discerning the Holy Spirit That's on right. their own. Yeah. And so this kind of corroborates it for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, you and I have worked, we work alongside people all the time in our, in our main work. This podcast is just one um, small area of our work. Um which is one reason why we don't edit our podcasts, right? That's why we we like to have free phone conversations, partly because we don't have time to edit. But um, it means that we bring to this conversation, um, there's a lot more, what I'm saying is there's a lot more behind what's happening on the podcast in all the relationships that you and I have there is in lot. our work. And yeah. so we, what we're hearing is, oh, yeah, on the one hand, we're, we're, we're hearing that you know, there's a lot of church leaders who are quite... Um, worried and disturbed about the change and changes that seem to be underway um on the other hand we're hearing stories of of what you would call fermenting and bubbling and reweaving that are beginning to surface but who knows how long this is going to go on for i mean some people say well how long is this unraveling thing going to take you know when will the new era come <laughs> and we, yeah. we really don't know that so we we're saying you know we're on this journey and we want people to be with us on this journey and to contribute. And we want to hear people's comments. Uh, we do want to hear your your comment, not just your comments, but your suggestions of what you'd love to hear and engage with. Um, at the same time, um, we want to invite others to, to subscribe to Leaving Egypt. Um, the subscriptions, uh, a lot of you uh, listen in free and we're glad for that and we welcome you and we want you to stay with us. At the same time, we would really, we would really love and covet your, uh, your readiness to subscribe with a, a monthly or a yearly subscription. Uh, it's not that expensive, uh, but it would help us immensely as we move forward. Are you thinking about Christmas presents? How about giving a gift subscription to our Leaving Egypt podcast? We have a special 40% discount on offer until Christmas. Being a paid subscriber not only gives you early access to podcast episodes as they come out, but also you can join our new monthly discussion forum starting in late January. 
to participate and join together with us in a deeper reflection on Zoom. We're excited to offer a space for you to join us and others in discussion about the challenges facing our churches and explore the imaginative ways in which Christians are forming communities of hope. A gift subscription to Leaving Egypt could be a really great present for a friend or a colleague. Just click the link below in the description or go to our Substack page, leavingegyptpodcast.substack.com. But standing back a little bit, um, as I look back over, um, we began with an idea, uh, big picture conversation, grounded engagement, and um, this question of when will this unraveling end? I think, Jenny, you're absolutely right. We don't know. Uh, if My sense is it's going to, it's going to take a, quite a while. It's not going to be sudden and quick. It's going to be quite a while. But in the midst of that, what I, what I see happening through this podcast of Leaving Egypt is a, is a certain kind of weaving going on. And it was, it was William Blake who talked about our lives as being an intricate weaving of joy and woe. And it's that weaving that makes a beautiful cloth of our lives. And I think that's part of what's happening in Leaving Egypt. We, we do tell the stories. We listen to people who thought deeply about what is going on uh, in Western societies, what's happening in terms of state and nation and the ideologies that are currently changing. And as you listen to that, it's, you, you can have a sense of woe and foreboding as we see more and more of the Egypt that has captivated us. But at the same time, the other part of the weaving is the joy. You listen to how someone like uh, like Karen, who was a was a pastor for many many years, and then out of a sense of call, goes and dwells in a neighborhood, and begins to create all kinds of relationships in a house and around place where people are taught, people who would never go near church are beginning to talk about the life of God that's mm. present among. I mean, that's joy. That's an incredible joy. Yeah, I was really I was really yeah. struck by how much Karen was laughing. <laughs> she told us her stories. She yeah. was like always giggling around everything she was saying. It just it was clearly uh, her, her house in that street mm. seems to be like an engine of joy and yeah. extraordinary. Yeah. And the same um Barry and Mary's episode, I really loved that conversation too. You know, the gardening out the front of the house. Right. You know, deliberately yeah. to to strike up conversation and what happens out of that is yep. exceeding ideas and um and Mary's uh, you know place of welcome place you know, of welcome creating yeah. a space where people uh, feel feel able to be themselves and, I just love and, that. and connect yeah. as human yeah. beings or or Nick who says I'm just going to host friends in the neighborhood in my home and out of that comes things that he could never have imagined well, that was an extraordinary story. Yeah. I mean, they weren't actually friends. They were neighbors who he vaguely knew. They were va vaguely new. And he said to them, um, hey, w would you join me on Thursday night? It's sort of church, but not really. And he said, we could cook a meal together, but I'm not 
cooking for you or washing up. How about it? <laughs> and they all said yes. And that yeah. grew over six months to a hundred yeah. odd people. And then people were baptized and their families and friends came. And it just shows you, you know, what we really have to think about what have been the barriers um, that churches have erected that have made people feel, well, I can't step over that threshold. What was it that he was doing that made people feel, yes, this is, I can be part of that, not only part of it, but actually shared ownership. I think that's a, a theme that we're likely to explore a lot more is yeah. this, this sense of how, what, what is, what are the new forms of association going to look like? You know, given that our societies have become so fragmented, people have become so atomized and um, people are more used to these sort of transactional relationships rather than what we call covenantal relationships. You know, how can we make that shift? What can the church do in terms of change, just changing its attitude, its posture? I don't think this needs money or funding or big programs. It, it's a shift of posture. That's the wonderful part of it. And you hear that in the stories that are being told. And mm -hmm. if I could speak out of... I don't know, I may get into trouble for this, but I listen to the people that we've interviewed who are on the ground without any money and they, they are cultivating spaces and communities of hope. Uh, Karen's mm -hmm. doing that in NA, but Gra Graham and Maria are doing it where they are. Barry and Mary are doing it, creating these spaces of hope. Uh, mm -hmm. Hannah's describing this in her, wor her work in the mm -hmm. Catholic parishes, and then across my desk yesterday come these schools in North America that are all touting they're just getting million-dollar lily grants. And I look at it mm -hmm. and I go, you've got it. That's Egypt. Like, we need this money to do this. That's just Egypt. And, and, mm -hmm. and yet here we are. It's not about us. Mm -hmm. On the ground, quietly, off stage without any money, the spirit just percolating new life in communities. Mm. That's what gives me energy. Yeah, that, that reminds me of the conversation with Mark Laubranson where he was talking to us about the um, the solar panel factories. Yeah. Now, that, that was a really interesting conversation where, you know, the church is not the lead partner, but it wouldn't have happened without the church. Right. You know, that, that's the sort of relationship we're talking about where, you know, they devised a way of manufacturing solar panels that it, within built in the patent, um, it, it can only be done by a small community in a disadvantaged area, which means you're generating jobs. It's sustainable. You know, it's all good energy and it, and it's to do with co-ownership. That's right. You know, so again, it's, it's resisting the, what you might call, you know, the pharaohs in terms of big energy providers by generating energy locally. It's empowering local families through jobs. That's the sort of practical outworking of what we're talking about yep. here. Yep. And and also I just wanted to, I was reminded there when you mentioned Nick, um, a, a lot of our conversations also are pointing to forms of leadership. You know, what have, a lot of church leaders have been formed to be certain kinds of leaders, you know, haven't they, for, for what we might call the previous era. And, and one of the reasons why, um, so many of them are feeling like, oh, what's going on? And I wasn't trained for this. It's because they literally weren't trained for this moment. Absolutely. And he he discovered something uh, when he had that sense that he should be inviting neighbours. I remember him saying, 
that he said to his congregation and his fellow elders in his Baptist church, look, I feel I need to do this. The Holy Spirit is calling me to do this, but I'm sorry, but I don't think you need to be involved, but please, could you pray for it? And they said yes. And what emerged out of that was he discovered a new form of leadership for himself as a pastor, which was more of an accompaniment rather than being, you know, shift from host to neighbor, wasn't it? It Very much so, yeah. And what was remarkable after that was a few months or a couple of years later, I said, did it have any impact on your congregation, on your, your original congregation? And he said, well, funnily enough, it did. And they are now coming back to me with stories of their own listening in the neighborhood. And that, so in a sense, it's kind of iterated a new ministry of, of the congregation themselves, not, not just waiting for the pastor or the priest to lead, whilst there still is a role for leadership in that sense, but they have found in themselves uh, an enriching uh, form of ministry, which is profoundly relational. And it's about one-to-one conversations with people in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And th- those conversations may then become a sort of placeholder, a space for talking about meaning and, and God and things that are beyond uh, the everyday, beyond the, what we can see and touch. Because people are crying out for meaning, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, this, this era that, we, that we've been living in has been so deadly in terms of extracting meaning from people's lives. We're yeah. seeing that so clearly. Yeah. I was, um, I was struck by a couple of other things, Jenny. Um, the uh, Edward Hadass, uh, who's an economist, teaches at big university, Oxford, was describing, and I'm oversimplifying here, the two economies, kind of the, mm. the, the regular economy where we, where we, you know, on the street, we shop and we engage with people. And then what he calls financialization. Uh, which is mm. this this mystical, mysterious ways in which, uh, without engagement with people or human beings, uh, everything's turned into commodities to be exchanged and bought, and that's that's sort of like the mysterious space that it's hard to get our hands on. And then I listened to actually, it's uh, going to be our next podcast, uh, Tim Ray, and Tim, a Lutheran pastor who chose to be a part-time pastor in order to spend much of his time as a farmer uh, on the prairies of Alberta, discovering the ways in which the farms that had been there for 100 years or more are all beginning to disintegrate because of cost and inflation and financialization. And Mm -hmm. it was, to me, just unbelievably... Uh, a blessing to listen to Tim begin to describe an imagination that he'd been given by God for how to address this on the ground with other farmers. Uh, that's the sort of thing that gives you hope. And uh, in, in terms of the captivities in which we find ourselves. So this has been an incredible journey. Um and you start to put these pieces together and you see the richness of what's going on and the ways in which the Holy Spirit is gestating and generating life on the ground, mm. off stage from, from all the big things that people talk about. And so I, I have been so excited and energized by this journey. No, me too. It's, it's really exciting. 
and um, we've got some great guests coming up next year. And and we've also decided, haven't we, to introduce a forum because we really want to create a space where our listeners can meet each other. Exactly. And so we're, we're planning something, aren't we, at the end of January? Yep, and we're going to be saying some things about it and we just invite you, our listeners, to listen in uh, as we uh, post about our forums um, and uh, what they're going to be about and how we begin them. Yeah, so we're thinking of doing it monthly, aren't we? And um, they'll be held on Zoom. And so people can actually uh, jump on Zoom and take part in discussion, uh, meet us, uh, have a conversation with us. And also we probably have a guest on for part of it as well. And you know, depending on how many people come, we'll have breakout groups so people can actually meet each other. And I think that's very exciting. Quite, quite a lot of leaders are saying to us, you know, we, we want to be in contact with other people. We want to have company yep. on this journey. Yeah. And, and and so the image here for these forums is not a huge group of people, but we're sitting around a table and we're picking up some of the themes that have been a part of leaving Egypt and we're going deeper mm-hmm. with one another. And the forums mm-hmm. are not about somebody lecturing or telling but it's a place of conversation and listening with mm. one another around these mm. themes. So stay tuned. You'll get information soon. We just wanted to say a very big thank you to you, our listeners, and especially to our paid subscribers. Being a paid subscriber not only gives you early access to podcast episodes as they come out, but it also soon will include access to our new monthly discussion forum. Starting in late January, paid subscribers can participate and join together with us in a deeper reflection over Zoom. We're excited to offer a space for you to join us and others in discussions about the challenges facing our churches and to explore the imaginative ways in which Christians are forming communities of hope. So do consider becoming a paid subscriber. It will help us continue this work and enable you to meet others on this journey. Just click the link below in the description or go to our Substack page, leavingegyptpodcast.substack.com. So a big thank you again to all our paid subscribers. Now back to the episode. You know, occasionally people email us with comments and, but I really would love it if people could actually put comments, if you listen on a podcast platform or if you're living, listening directly on Substack, it would be great to see people's comments in there and then potentially people can start to interact with each other. Um, so please don't be shy, uh, share with us what you think, you know, positive and negative, whatever you're thinking, it'd be great to, to, to engage with what you're what's going through your mind as you listen to these episodes and do suggest to us if you've got ideas of particular people you think we should interview. We've got quite a list of people that we've already got, um, you know, lines out to or who are already booked um, for us to record sessions with, but we're open absolutely to new suggestions and and indeed topics that you think that, that we should uh, dig into. So, yeah, we very much want um, you, our listeners, to travel with us. Uh, we're all on on this road. Who knows where we're going? But um, it's like we're, we sometimes we even hesitate to use the word navigating. So we don't want to make it seem as if we actually know um, where this this is going. Only God knows that. But um, through our relationship with each other and and trusting in God, then we we're confident that um, we'll be led through this period. 
And as Mark said, actually, in that conversation with him, he said, he thought, well, actually, probably it will never be fixed. You know, the whole question is, how do we live in the meantime? You know, how are we faithful to God in the meantime? So that's really the journey we're on. And um, I just find it an incredible privilege to be doing this, to be in this space, having these conversations. I love it. I just want to repeat that because I think it makes sense Mm -hmm. is that we are not asking, how do we fix all this? Mm-hmm. We are seeking to understand the question of how do we live in this in-between, in the meantime? What does that look like? And I think that, Jenny, I think I think we've done a pretty good job in inviting people to talk about that and share that. Uh, and I've, I've found it very energizing. Yeah. yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to what happens next yeah. year. It'd be great. So, dear friends, listeners... Members of the Leaving Egypt community, thank you for joining with us in this beginning. And we just want to wish you a blessed Christmas. May God be with you. May Emmanuel be with you uh, over this Christmas season. And thank you very, very much for being a partner with us in this. Yeah, thank you. And and God bless everybody and all those you love and your neighbours and... Um... Let's let's rely on God to guide us through into this new year that's coming. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening to Leaving Egypt. We look forward to you joining us again on the next episode. In the meantime, you can find out more at togetherforthecommongood.co.uk And you can find me on alanroxborough.com And do check out Leaving Egypt on Substack too. This podcast is brought to you by Together for the Common Good and the Missional Network. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. If you've liked what you've heard, please subscribe wherever you'd normally listen to your podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. So that's it from us. I'm Al Roxborough. And I'm Jenny Sinclair. Thank you so much for listening. God bless and see you soon. Mm